Welcome to The Shift, where I'm here to help you adjust to the new. I'm your host, Jay Camille. If you tuned in to last week's episode, we talked about the shift that takes place when you move to a new city. Well, today I decided to take this conversation a step further and address the shift that takes place when you move to a new country. As we continue in our first season of The Young American Dream, I want to highlight the fact that for some, this dream requires moving to a new country altogether. This shift is something I've never experienced before. I've visited other countries, but I've never immersed myself into another country or culture outside of my own. But I have some friends who have. So today, joining us, we have two of my dear friends, Shayi and Jasmine Fain, who will be sharing with us their journey. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Jasmine Fain, like Jay said. Um, I just want to say, first off, thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm so excited to have this conversation today. But a little bit about me, um, I am a Southern Dallas, Texas native. I graduated from Oklahoma State University, so forever go Pokes. I'm currently a nonprofit business development coach here in Dallas, where I train nonprofits to create cash flow without grants. But also, I run a marketing tech company called Empower You, which is a peer-to-peer marketplace to connect underrepresented communities to nonprofit programs and resources. So in summary, my whole life is nonprofits. Um, Even like we're going to talk about today, I even went across the world to work with nonprofits and to help out in that sphere. So that's a little bit about me and what I do. Thanks for having me, Jay. Uh, so my full name is Owa Sheyi, uh, but I generally go by Sheyi, and I grew up in Nigeria um, across like two cities. I went to Northwestern and studied chemical engineering there, and currently I'm in Houston working as an engineer. So, so Sheyi, you grew up in Nigeria, but now you live in America, and then Jasmine, you grew up in America. You spent a moment living in Cape Town, South Africa. So for each of you, what was your driving force for moving to a new country? Yeah, I'll touch on that a little bit. Um, I really had no driving force whatsoever. I was sitting in uh, Morrill Hall, if you are from Oklahoma State. I was in class, and I was like, yeah, I need a gap year. I've been in school for my whole life since birth until up until now, and I was like, I need a gap year. But also, um, I'm very much a traveler. I want to see the world. I love experiencing different cultures. So it was the right decision to go international to work in my career field, um, but to also take that gap year. But I would say there was no motivation behind it. But I can say leading up to it, it was more of Yahuwah revealing to me. Yahuwah is Hebrew for God, for all the Christians out there, but it was for Yahuwah revealing to me that that was going to be a three-month period of transformation for me, and transformation to me was, I, you know, Cape Town has a lot of mountains and beautiful beaches, so I thought I was going to be climbing the mountain every weekend, meditating, worshiping, I was like, yes, yes, this is my life. No, that's not how it was. Transformation went like the complete opposite, and it was more of for the first time, I was away from my family. Um, I had limited contact to the world 
I, I didn't watch TV for three months. I caught all my news through the radio and Twitter pretty much. And I was so disconnected, but for the first time, I could hear my own thoughts. I could hear y'all so clearly, and I could hear what were the right steps I needed to take to progress my life even further. So that was a little bit about my journey and this, I guess the decision I made to go to Cape Town, South Africa. Um, so for me, I just give a little bit of context. So I like did the way school works in Nigeria. It's like you kind of do six years of elementary school or primary school, as we call it. And then you have six years of high school, which is secondary school. And I think I'm the third child of four kids. And for me, like our, my parents, it's like, like whatever you do, like you have to be the best at it. Right. And went to pretty, a very pretty competitive, like high school, like very rigorous academics and like, like just in a rigorous environment. And so like when it came to, for me to like go to college, it was like, well, you have to go to the best. And like, unfortunately, like not a lot of the schools in Nigeria, um, the colleges in Nigeria are as good as like you want them to be or as world-class as like you would want them to be. So it was just like, so you have to kind of look outside and then, so basically moved to Chicago, which is where Northwestern is because um, like that was where I ended up going to school. So it was literally like you, like you have to be the best kind of whatever you choose to do. And it's like, if you have to leave the country to do it, you do it. Like that's literally how it went. You guys are like, you know, talking about things that you've dealt with moving to a new country in terms of like driving forces. But for people like me who have never lived in another country, like, I don't know, I always think about like basic things like like food or currency. Like what were the top five things like you had to adjust to when you when you move somewhere? I can say that one of the biggest things that I had to adjust to was what is called tribalism slash xenophobia and also um, uh, just adjusting to the political reign of Cape Town, South Africa. I went to Cape Town to serve in a nonprofit, um, a litigation nonprofit, a legal nonprofit doing law, human rights work. And so I was already immersed in that field, but really being immersed in it from a foreign country outside of America um, and then being immersed in it with people who look like me or her, who are from my origins really hit home for me. I think it was the first time that I realized that I feared in a sense blackness. Um, and to say that the week I got there, four women had been raped and murdered. And my second day of work, the attorneys with me were like, Jasmine, put on your shirt. We're, we're going protesting. And I was like, oh, wow, like, this is for real. Um, like, I'm in the middle of Africa protesting with, like, millions of people. I can't even say going to work, I was followed. Going to the grocery store, I was followed. You know, moving around town, um, I was catcalled and harassed um, by men who looked like me. And so that was very hard to adjust to and hard to adjust to this sense of not trying to live in fear. Because in America, I have best friends who are Black men that have protected me since day one in any situation they protect me my father protects me has been protecting me since birth my brothers protect me like everybody and every black man that I know protects me and to be put into this environment where that wasn't the case was just 
very, at times I let fear kind of like get in, like I wouldn't go to work or I wouldn't walk to the grocery store. And then I was like, you know what, Jasmine, we're not going to live our life like this. I said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to do this. I'm going to pray. And I said, I know y'all has his hand over me and his spirit is with me. And I'm not going to live in fear. And I just made plans. I walked different routes. I had a coworker come pick me up. So at least I was driving to work because I refused to live in that fear during that time. But also, I would say the adjustment was just not living in media attention also, you know, during that time. Like I said, I didn't have a TV. Um, I got everything through Twitter <laughs> and the radio when I was in Ubers. So being able to actually have to have real conversations with people, conversations about religion for the first time people christians around me you know they challenged my beliefs they challenged my discipleship with yahuwah and asked me why do you believe the things you believe in the midst of me going through transformation i'm like why do i believe the things i believe um we had conversations about life these are some of my good friends international and even in the states to this day so i can say that was the biggest shift for me their food, I mean, I love African food. The food I picked out immensely, and the currency wasn't bad, but the tribalism, the xenophobic piece, and the political sphere was the biggest shift um, for me. Yeah, no, it's very interesting um, what Jasmine has said, because, like, like, South Africa has a very rich history, like, of all the things that have kind of, like, contributed to, like, how it currently current political climate. So it's just like interesting to hear from like an outsider's perspective, I guess someone that hasn't kind of like grown up with it. Not that like I'm South African or anything, but um, to hear from this perspective of someone who has been there um, and like um, being in those situations is so thank you for sharing. Um, for me, I had like two things, which was like mostly like the weather. Cause as we all know, Chicago is not for the faint of heart. Um, the weather is very windy, very cold. So like that was definitely one of like the biggest things. I think secondly, just kind of to piggyback off of what Jasmine said. So like in Nigeria, like you're like you're not really black, right? You're you don't like obviously you are black, but like you're not black in the way that like you're black in the US. And definitely there's like tribalism and there's sexism, but like I think it was the first time I had like kind of been identified by my skin color like primarily um, instead of like maybe the fact that I'm Yoruba or maybe the fact that like I'm a woman so and also like it was kind of jarring because I think the culture there's like a lot of differences in cultures but the black Americans we didn't we didn't have shared experiences because normally it's like oh like all the people I go to school with in Nigeria, like we're all kind of like the same and we have like shared experiences. Like obviously we have like totally different life experiences, right? But like there's some similarities, but like that was not really the case here. Like definitely there's like com commonalities, just like understanding that like race is a very, very important part of it. And if I was South African, like I think I'll be telling a different story, right? Because um, that's a more racially diverse society, but that was something I definitely like had to understand. And I think the my freshman year, that was the time of the like there was a whole Mizzou 
protest and it was just like very heated and like I was in college and those people were also in college and there was like a lot of racism so it was it was very confusing and it was a lot because you don't kind of know how to navigate like those waters like it's like like how do I begin to like understand like the history that comes with this like how do I begin to understand the context what can I do to be to like be better like what can I do to lend my voice to things that matter right so I think that was like a very that was like a that was like another part of it for me so but yeah no I would have to agree because what you said with the piece of you know, in Nigeria, you all go like the tribalism piece. You know, I went to South Africa and they were like, what are you? I was like black, you know, and I was they like, I'm like a deer in headlights. And, you know, some people are speaking Kosa to me and Afrikaans. And they're like, so which language, you know, or I'm just like, I'm a black American. Like, I don't know. They're like, so what are your parents? I'm like, they're black with a capital P like that is who I am and so and also in South Africa they have colors which is the other half of the slave trade towards the Asiatic um, islands and so you know for the first time I heard colored again and I was like I've heard color since 1960s here in America I was like whoa 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 like what is this and so I, I loved how you touched say on that and also I can say I felt the same emotions of I want to learn the history because I don't understand quite what's going on, um, but I need to know how to represent the people I work with, especially working with all women. When I go and protest, I need to understand why we're protesting and the history of it all. So, you know, I would ask the questions. I would go to the museums just to learn and immerse myself. But I think it's cool that, you know, we both had that experience of, we need to learn what's going on, even on the two different parts of the world. It sounded like both of you guys had like a moment of, of learning how to unify on either side, whether it was, you know, learning how to, like you mentioned, Shay, you join in with the people on your campus, especially when the racial injustice was happening at Mizzou. And then, you know, Jasmine, you talk about the political things that were going on in South Africa, and you also you know, had to join in in unity and uh, embrace and understand what those were going, those around you were going through. Um, so it's just, it's awesome that no matter where you went, your skin color still the same, but even though that wasn't your culture, you could still join in with those around you and support like what they were going through. Jazz, I know you mentioned fear a lot when you like move there and just you know, different like fears you had. You talked about taking a different route with like your coworker or being stalked and stuff. So let's rewind to before either of you moved to a new country. What fears did you have about moving to a new country? When I say I jumped the ball and didn't look back from America, I had no fears going into it. Like, I was telling everybody, I was like, moving to Africa, once I graduate, peace out. Like, bye. Like, I was so ready to go. Even to the point, like, I booked my flight to make sure I stopped in Dubai so I could, like, travel alone before I went to Africa. Because I was like, I'm getting all my money's worth out of this. Bye. Like, I'm seeing the world. 
the biggest fear was trying not to live in fear, honestly, because, you know, once you get a couple of months in and you start understanding the culture, the, the, the weight of everything that immerses itself in that country, you get used to the catcalling, you get used to the harassment, you get used to having to fight for women every day on the legal nonprofit side. But what can really hinder you is you waking up in the middle of the night just thinking about all of it and say, well, I'm not going to go to work because I'm just too scared to go walk. I walk 10 minutes to work, to walk 10 minutes to go to work because I don't know. Like your mind can play these different thoughts and just go off. But that was the only fear. And I think for me, it was also not really a fear, but just the unknown of what transformation looked like. Like I said, I thought I was going to be on a mountain every weekend, meditating, you know, cooling with Yahuwah. I was good. Um, but I would say by month two, I really started understanding the generational curses that lived in my family. It's like, I, I, I tell my parents all the time, it's like I faced them all head on. And, you know, I would call them in the middle of the night while I was at work with middle of the night here in America and just trying to explain everything that was going on in my mind, everything that I was feeling. It was a peace knowing that I was so far away from them because I had to deal with it. You know, being at Oklahoma State in Stillwater, if something was wrong, I could drive three hours back home to Dallas and make myself feel better, refresh, and then go back to school. But now I'm like time zones away. I'm calling them at two in the morning. And if they don't pick up, I have to figure it out for myself. I can say by month two, I really realized I need to find church because I hadn't been in church for since I had graduated college. And I was like, I need to find a church. And thankfully, Hillsong has a church in South Africa. So I would drive about 30 minutes, pay $20 back to and for in the Uber to go to church every Sunday because it was just a breaking point where I was like, I need Yahuwah. I need y'all. I need to see and get rid of this fear of the un unknown, even about my generational curses and about myself. And I need to seek his word. So that was more of my fear going into it. I was like, let's go. I have my bags packed now. <laughs> like let's wins the flight but I think it took living in it for me to recognize what truly I was fearing just within myself and how I had to change my own viewpoints I just love the part where you were just like the biggest fear was to not live in fear and then it sounded like as you chose not to live in fear it helped you to gather your thoughts on how to face your fears moving forward Definitely like, yeah, I mean, even to the point I was at the end of the trip, I jumped off a mountain and paraglided because I was just like, I don't fear fear anymore. So it, like you said, Jay, it really moved me up to that point because it's like once you defeat the fear of living in a country that has a high murder rate and a high sexual assault rate, you're like, boom, check. I don't fear that. Then you face all your fears from whatever your grandfathers and your fathers carried and you face your own fears and the demons that you've been dealing with you're like boom check i'm invincible now i'm like i'm going to jump off a mountain because i've done it all i there's nothing that i can't face and there's nothing that will hinder me from fearing anything in my life i just need to i guess face my internal things and maybe i can ride roller coasters because you talking about jumping off a mountain <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> I hate roller coasters and heights, so 
<laughs> Maybe it's in the mind. Right. Shay, what about you? What were your fears? People like always like they would always like assume that oh you must be so far away from home you must miss home so much so like coming in like I wouldn't say like I didn't have fears but like my fears were more how am I gonna succeed where I'm going like how am I gonna like make sure I'm doing the best I can to do at school and I think the second part of it was like making friends because I am like a bit more introverted and like it was like I sound funny like I look very different have like very different ideas of like what things look like so like I definitely like did miss home but um I think going going to boarding school helped me with that so I, I like I had kind of gotten used to it and like I I think I was kind of raised to be more independent so like everything i was just like somehow i'll figure it out but i think for me like those were like the two main things like doing well in school and like making sure i'm making friends because like at the end of the day like that's what my parents are like trying really hard and making the extra effort and like also i was like on scholarship so like making sure that like i'm doing the best i can um and also like also trying to live my best college life i feel like those were kind of like the two things for me and it was like also like because you're so, your first, um, this is like the kind of the first time you're aware that you're like the only black girl in the room. And like that, that's like, that's something that you have to deal with. And like having the courage to like still speak out and ask questions and like re literally just ignore assumptions that people may have about you and like what your background is. Like, I think those were like the things I had to kind of just like shift. And like, and if I was like, upset about something like i'll just like call my friends back home or like call my family back home and like making friends honestly to be very honest i won't lie it was that was kind of hard like i wouldn't say like i wouldn't say like a very active social life my first year of college but it, it definitely got better like my second year it got better because i like try to put myself out there more i like joined clubs and organizations but like at first like that was kind of hard because like i don't have a lot in common with the people I was in college with or like the people like I had in my freshman year. First of all, I'm very proud of you both for facing your fears and it really you guys are both like selfless individuals. Even though you were away from your families, it sounds like each of you in your own way carried the weight for your families. Speaking just of family and anything in general, looking back, are you grateful for the shift that brought you to a new country? Was it worth more than who or, or what you left behind? Or would you have rather wished things would have panned out differently? I think I wouldn't take back anything that happened. Um, I've never cried more in my life. I've never questioned Yahuwah more. I've never asked so many questions in history and what happens and how people feels and what are their beliefs and thoughts. Um, it When I say transformation, I don't say that lightly. I came back as a new person. The person that got on that plane was not the same person that, you know, landed in America um, when I came back three months later. It was just one of those things that it needed to be done. Um, I didn't know for sure if it needed to be done in South Africa or wherever that y'all was taking me. But now that I look back on it, it definitely needed to be done because I wouldn't be the woman that I am today without it. 
It pushed me to be more immersive in counseling. It pushed me to actually learn who my parents were outside my parents, but them as people and understanding why they made the decisions they made, understanding why my, how my grandparents raised them and why my grandparents made the decisions they made and just seeing my family as human um, and that I had the ability to be the voice of reason and the voice that says, hey, I know we've been hurting all these years, but we don't have to hurt anymore because I've faced it all. I've seen it all. And we can do this as a family unit. But also, um, I wouldn't regret it because it allowed me to jump into the legal field. Um, I'm currently applying to law school, and it helped me learn what I did and didn't like about law school. Like, I realized that I can't be a criminal lawyer. I sat in on a, a, a criminal trial in, in South Africa, and I was like, yep, this isn't for me, not doing it. Um, and I realized, you know, human rights isn't for me, but I realized my niche is in nonprofit um, law in that business law area. So no, I wouldn't trade any of it. I would do it all over again, maybe a little less stress. Um, but I'm like playing after, you know, all this stuff is over and sickness and COVID. I'm planning my next vacation. I'm planning, I've like made a pact to myself. I said, I have to live at least once a month out of every year in a different country. And I say a month because just within that month, I learned so much about a different culture. I was immersed in it. I got to meet so many great Black African people that just made me feel like home, literally made me feel like home. I definitely agree with Jasmine on this one. I'm very grateful. Sometimes I wonder how I ended up at Northwestern because it was like, how I got there, like how, like I was able to, like where it was afforded, like it was just like God was definitely, it, like had a part of that, like because it, 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 sometimes I'm just like my financial aid package came like literally the day before I was supposed to commit to Northwestern, and like I met like a lot of great people there, and like I had access to so many opportunities at Northwestern, and I think more importantly, like I've started thinking differently, especially in terms of like things aren't the way they are, like, because they're, they've always been that way, like, like, that doesn't mean anything, right, they can always change, like, it's, like, I think I learned to ask questions of, like, what we consider normal, especially, like, just in conversations with my friends, and, like, my family, and, like, the people I met there, and I think the conversations we would have were just, like, amazing about everything, like, religion, to, like, systems, and, race there were just like great that's like one of the best parts of my college experience like having those interactions with all those people and also like the people like I still call my friends today that like check up on me like I met like some of them there so I think that was the biggest thing for me like I think the way I think now and the way I used to think back in high school are very different like Northwestern was great that like it had so many resources so like I would just like go to the library all the time like read and like just try to learn more about like my world and like what we consider like our spheres of influence or like just everything. I think like that was one of the best parts and I'm very, 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 very grateful for that. Even though I was an engineering major, like I got to take some, like I took like a legal studies class, which was amazing. And like, I took like a woman and gender and African history class. I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. That's great. Ladies, honestly, again, just thank you both for your time listening to you guys. It sounds like 
this shift is stretching. It's stretching, you know, your mind. It's stretching not just in distance, but in how you're going to move and walk in life and how you're going to carry on and go forwards. What would be three tips or walk away pieces of advice that you want a listener moving to a new country to get to hear from this podcast? Um, I don't think I necessarily have three tips, but I can say I have one overall tip is to let go of your plans and just live in the moment. That was the best thing I did. I mean, I made friends from Italy, London, South Africa, and different states in the U.S. that if I didn't let go of what I perceived friendship was or what I perceived how other people acted in the world and just lived in the moment. So I would just say let go and let the moment happen just immerse yourself in love and loving people and loving others and truly seeing what human connection is it's like jasmine and i had the same thing because that was one of my tips like so live in the moment because that's really important like i like i mentioned earlier it was like i want to do well here like i want to like i was looking like at the end and it was just like wait like honestly it's going to be worse, right, if I get to the end and, like, I'm not proud of the journey. The journey is just as important, like, as the, as the like, outcome. So I think I really had to, like, reroute and be like, yeah, like, the end is important, but, like, also, like, how you get there and what happens on the journey is, is just as beautiful and is just as important, um, if not sometimes more important than what happens at the end. And I think the second thing was for me, like, be open um, to piggyback off what Jasmine said. It was, like, my idea of like friendship and like people I would be friends with like that was definitely like tested because like I made friends that otherwise I wouldn't have made if I didn't go there and but I think it was also like important for me to realize that like not every like in an effort to be open right like I shouldn't try to lose myself in like in other people's personalities or like their ideas like like I should be true to myself like I should be open to learning and new things and like having new experiences but um when I realized like those new experiences are not for me like that's okay right so understanding that and I think the last thing is to ask for help like I that was a very humbling experience like especially like my first couple of years because I had to learn to ask for help from a lot of people from and it wasn't like I didn't want to ask for help or like I was too proud to ask for help I think it was just more like I didn't even know how to ask for help so I think that was one of the other things I learned um, there, like just learning to ask for help and un- understanding that like sometimes it's not going to come, but like most of the time, like people will help. So that was like, that's like my last tip. I would also like to say, and Shay, you can tell me if you've experienced this or not, but I think my other tip would be to recognize your privilege. Um, going from an American society into the African society, I didn't realize how much privilege I had even as an African-American woman in Africa Um, and seeing how much my dollar was valued even more. I could go places where, you know, my black African brothers and sisters couldn't even realizing how much our passport holds weight in certain countries. Like when I went to Dubai, stopped over in Dubai, other people had to stand in line. They were like, oh, you're American. You can come right in. We don't check. We don't care. You know, so it it was just one of those things that you don't recognize your privilege until you're in a different country. And you're like, wow, 
this is what I've really been immersed in and taught my whole life. So just taking that portion of we if you are a traveler whoever listening to this if you are a traveler and you go to another country like please recognize your privilege and just be humble and open um to relearning the things that your country or what however you were raised has taught you to view these other countries also absolutely agree with you jasmine i think that's very very important and like even me coming here and like realizing like you've never like had to grow up with the like burden of like your race. Like, I think for me, I also had to recognize that that was a privilege, right? And I think even more importantly, especially because like, like I remember telling Jasmine one time, I was like, to be very honest, like Americans are very rich. And a lot of times, like they don't realize how that plays out like with the rest of the world. Thank you, Shay and Jasmine Fain for giving us tips on how to navigate through the shift when it comes to moving to a new country. That's all from me. I'm Jay Camille. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. See you guys next week.